And um, if you have your Bible, don't turn to the book of Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts for quite some time. Antonio, our Spanish pastor, was out of town last week, and so he's catching up with us this morning, provided us an opportunity to do something a little bit different. And so if you have a Bible with you or a device, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. tell you a little story about me. Of all of the New Testament books, this is the one that I've been most unfamiliar with over all the years. Um, sometimes I'll play this game with, with, oh, it's been a long time, with, with my daughters, and I've done it with some youth groups here and there before. I'll say, okay, anywhere in the New Testament from Romans all the way through Jude, don't tell me where you are, read a verse, and I'll tell you what book and chapter you're in. So they read a verse, uh, that's Romans 10. Read another, oh, that's 1 Peter 3. And we'll put a little wager on it. We'll say, let's do 10 of them, and for every one I get wrong, I'll pay you a dollar. And every time I've played that game, especially when there's money on it, uh, I, I'm praying, Lord, I pray they don't get a verse from 2 Corinthians. <laughs> because if they choose a verse from 2 Corinthians, I'm going to be at a loss. And it's not because I haven't read it, have it's just because it's it's just been hard for me to wrap my head around i'm not the only one who feels that way commentators will say it's the most difficult of paul's letters to interpret it's one of the longer letters in the new testament of course of paul's letters romans is 16 chapters first corinthians is 16 chapters second corinthians is 13 chapters and then the rest are six chapters or less and so maybe you keep it at arm's length because of its length. It's got what one guy called an uneven structure to it, and that's certainly true. Paul's letters are generally you know, three chapters here of doctrine and three chapters here of duty. They, they're kind of balanced like that. Second Corinthians, not so much. And, and there's seemingly so much background story you need to at least begin to be familiar with to try to make sense of what Paul is about in 2 Corinthians. For, so for those reasons, maybe, and maybe even more, um, I've been unfamiliar with it. But I've always had this sense, I know it's there. And I've heard others talk about 2 Corinthians just being a treasure. I've heard pastors talk about 2 Corinthians being their, their favorite of Paul's letters. I can remember years ago on staff at Denton Bible Church, we went on a staff retreat. And um, at Denton Bible, whenever you went on staff retreats, you didn't talk about church stuff, you listened to Tommy teach. He would take a book of the Bible and teach us through it over that deal. And it was always awesome. And I can remember one of them being through 2 Corinthians. And, and listening and thinking, boy, this is good stuff. I remember years ago, I went to the Shepherds Conference out in California, John MacArthur's church. And these days, when you go to a conference, they give you lots of books. Back in those days, they just give you a few books. But I remember when I went to that Shepherds Conference, they gave us all a commentary, John MacArthur's commentary on 2 Corinthians. And I can remember MacArthur standing up and saying, hey, we're giving you a copy of this. Because as a pastor, you're going to need it. Over the last year, it has become much dearer to me 
and I've become much more familiar with this letter. I think I'd probably still pray, don't read me a verse from 2 Corinthians, but I think I have a much better shot with it to keep my money. But y'all have heard me talk about what a year it's been for me with Harvey and then Tara's cancer and staffing decisions and changes that that's meant around here. It's just been difficult. And in the midst of that, God just calling my heart, I think, to this letter. I've read it over and over and over again this year. Um, We finished up the book of Revelation in my Friday men's study, and the question is, what are we going to do next? And I said, I want to do 2 Corinthians. And so talked through it over the last year. This last week, I was in Memphis and had an opportunity to speak to a bunch of young men and young women who are being trained in the Bible and in ministry. And uh, they said, hey, listen, you can come speak on whatever you want. And I said, I want to do an overview of the book of 2 Corinthians. Because my heart for them is that they not wait until they're 44 and now 45 years old for this book to become theirs. In many ways, I think I've waited until now to really dig in and really begin to glean the treasure that is here. And so, on the whole, I want to commend 2 Corinthians to you. You probably are familiar with many of its verses. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We have this treasure, the gospel, in jars of clay. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. 2 Corinthians 5. We are ambassadors as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5. Believer, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6. God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. 2 Corinthians 13. So, so many of these verses, I think, that so many of us are familiar with come from this wonderful book. And so, if I could say anything to you, take and read, take and read. And you'll have to, I think, read it over and over and over again. And do it with more zeal than I have over the years. It'll probably take you a little help. Get a decent little commentary on 2 Corinthians. Read the introduction, because you kind of need that to make your way through it. Howard Hendricks used to tell us about the Bible as a whole. This book will not yield its treasure to the lazy eye. Isn't that good? We have to, as Proverbs would say in Proverbs chapter 2, seek for her as for silver, the wisdom which comes from God. Well, certainly it applies to 2 Corinthians. She will yield her treasure. It might take some work.
All of that, though, I want to share with you just one little part. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us and we're able to comfort others. So Hank, I'm going to title this message The God of All Comfort, The Christian of Some. The God of All Comfort ministers to us and it gives us an opportunity to minister that comfort to others. Let's watch first The God of All Comfort. Paul was going through some affliction And it was manifold. It wasn't just one thing going on in Paul's life. Uh, If you've been following it all on the map through the book of Acts, maybe some of this will make sense. But on that third missionary journey when Paul came to Ephesus and spent over two, maybe even three years there, he was going through some very good times in Ephesus as disciples were being raised up and sent out to plant churches throughout Asia. But he was also going through some very difficult times as well. There was opposition from unbelievers in the city. And if you'll remember, by the time uh, his time was coming to an end, the riot in Ephesus that almost got him killed. Also going on during his time in Ephesus is the beginning of this correspondence with the Corinthians that was just paining him down deep in his heart. On the second missionary journey, he had planted the church, spent 18 months there, Loved them, taught them, discipled them, trained them up, encouraged them, cried with them, rejoiced with them. Everything that you do. But now being in Ephesus, he hears story after story after story of things going on in the Corinthian church that just breaks his heart. We know he heard of a a believer, a so-called brother in the Corinthian church, who was living in high-handed sin against the Lord. People were confronting him about it, but he didn't much care. And the church wasn't sure what to do about it. And so we know that Paul wrote what we call the previous letter. We don't have it in our New Testament. But he wrote them a letter encouraging them to to discipline this so-called brother. To, To discipline him that he might be restored to the Lord and fellowship with the church. So he, wrote, he sent that previous letter sometime later. He heard a report that they had totally misunderstood that letter. There was also disunity within the church. They were suing one another. There was more rampant immorality in the church. They had questions um, about divorce and remarriage. They had questions about how do they get along as Jew and Gentile together in one body. They had this, that, and the other. And there was already hints that there was a group of people within the Corinthian church that were questioning Paul's authority as, a, as an apostle and his methods as a minister of the gospel and were questioning the gospel message that he preached. Paul hears that and he writes what we know as 1 Corinthians. 
urging them to repentance, urging them to discipline this erring brother, urging them to holiness and to unity. Some say I'm of Paul and others I'm of Apollos and some I'm of Cephas and still some I'm of Jesus. Who are we? I planted, Apollos watered. It was God who caused the growth. Over and over and over again throughout 1 Corinthians, urging them to faithfulness, to holiness. He sent that letter with Timothy. Timothy then came back to him and said, Oh, Paul, when I took 1 Corinthians and I delivered it to him, things are still up in the air. And he took what we call the painful visit. We don't see it in the book of Acts, but he went on a quick trip over to Corinth to try and fix things, and something went terribly wrong. It looks like someone stood up, and we think it may have been the the so-called brother living in immorality who wanted nothing to do with the church's discipline. He stood up and started making accusations against the Apostle Paul, and nobody in the Corinthian church stood up in his defense. He came back to Ephesus and he wrote what's called the sorrowful letter. We don't have it either, but he says he wrote it in much anguish of heart and tears, urging them not only to discipline this erring brother, but to turn their heart back to him and to the gospel which he proclaimed. He sent that letter with Titus. And when things finished up in Ephesus, he left Ephesus, went north to Troas, where he thought he was going to meet Titus to hear the report, how they had responded to the sorrowful letter. And God opened an incredible door of ministry in Troas, but he couldn't find Titus. And so he went on to Macedonia, hoping that he would find Titus. And when he got to Macedonia, things were tough there. He'll say in 2 Corinthians 7, conflicts without fears within. Just at every step of the way, whether it was in Ephesus itself or in Troas when he had no rest in his spirit or in Macedonia, conflicts without fears within, Paul is afflicted, discouraged. He used the word depressed. He's going through a hard time. It wasn't just one thing, it was many. It wasn't just physical danger as in Ephesus, but it was emotional, it was psychological, it was spiritual. Going through a hard time. All of us have been there and done that, huh? I think that's why for many, 2 Corinthians has been a treasure of a book. Because all of us read words like affliction or suffering. Words like discouragement or depression. And we go, oh, that sounds like me. Sounds like what I'm going through. And into all of that, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. God meets His people in the midst of their afflictions. The nature of God, 
Paul calls him the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Friends, that might be a phrase you want to memorize and you want to lean into and you want to meditate on and you just want to talk to the Lord and give praise to Him that He is the Father of mercies because every single one of us needs the mercy of our Heavenly Father. And He's the God of all comfort because if you're in need and affliction and hardship you need him and so that's a great verse just to plead god your word says that you are the father of mercies you're the god of all comfort and i need you and paul says that's just not who he is but he comforts us as i pondered upon that i've, I've I thought, I wonder, in, in, in what ways did God do it? And here's how I see it. Maybe you'll see more. God comforts His people through His promises. You don't need to turn there, but back in Acts chapter 18, if you remember the story when, in fact, Paul came to Corinth and things were going pretty well and then things were going really hard, in the night, the Lord appeared to him. Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And Paul settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. A little bit later in Acts chapter 22, we'll see it the next time we jump into Acts. Paul is before the chief priests and the elders in Jerusalem, and they're trying to kill him. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. You and I might not have a vision of the Lord to appear to us in the night to give us his promises, but we have a completed book. The Word of God that is just absolutely filled with them. So one of the ways that God comforts you and me in the midst of our afflictions, our sufferings, our depression, our discouragement, are His promises. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for me, how will He not also with Him freely give me all things? Everything that I need to walk with Him and be faithful with Him in the midst of this. If, if He gave His Son for me, surely He will give me the help that I need. And He will go on in that same chapter. Nothing will separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or Isaiah 41, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so I think Paul was comforted by the promises of God. Secondly, I know that he was comforted by God's people. Keep your finger on chapter 1, but look over in chapter 7. 
So all of this was going on in Paul's heart when he was writing to the Corinthians, especially that sorrowful letter. He heads to Troas to find Titus and figure out and find out how they've responded to the sorrowful letter, but he can't find Titus. And so he goes on to Macedonia hoping to find Titus. And in chapter 7, verse 5, for even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. This goes back to our sermon a couple of weeks ago. Community strengthens resolve. Community ministers to the soul. How did God comfort, really practically, how did He comfort Paul in the midst of all of his afflictions? The promises and the people. Here comes Titus. And Paul says, oh, brother, good to see you. All of us have stories of when we were going through hard times and a friend came along. I can remember when Harvey hit. The very first phone call I got from outside of Katy was a Christian brother from California. His, his name happened to be Christian. And he said, hey, we want to come see you and hug your neck and help in any way that we can. And I said, man, that'd be great. When do you want to come? He said, how about tomorrow? That was so cool. We've all gotten phone calls from friends or visits from friends or let's go get some coffee or let me take you to lunch. God's people, ministering to God's people. Another way I think God comforted him was through, if, you, if you'll let me have another P word, his providence. So his promises, Paul was banking on those. His people, here came Titus, and that brought him great comfort. His providence. And what I mean by providence is that God not only creates everything and sustains everything, but God guides all things towards their appointed end. He he makes things happen according to his purposes. And one of the things he made happen for Paul in this instance was that the Corinthians responded pretty well to the sorrowful letter. Again in chapter 7, but, verse 6, But God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Titus came with a good report that indeed they had responded well to that sorrowful letter. They had indeed disciplined that erring brother and their hearts had been turned back towards Paul and more importantly than that, towards Paul's gospel. God can change things. He leads the Corinthians to repentance. Maybe for you or for me, the procedure is successful. Or when you're in a financial need, someone comes along to help. or Whatever it might be. And then finally, to keep moving, His promises, His people, His providence, I think His perspective as well. Sometimes, if not oftentimes, God lets the suffering, the affliction, the hardship linger 
And even in the midst of it, even when we might pray, God, would you take this away? He says, no. 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is perfected in weakness. I'm doing something in the midst of your suffering and in the midst of your affliction. I'm not going to take it away because it keeps you dependent upon me. And it allows me to show you my grace and how my power can be perfected when you are weak. God's comfort to you and to me, whether through His promises or His people or His providence, His perspective is not always immediate. We have to wait and pray, maybe even cry. God may bring us out of one thing and lead us right into another. Remember, what Paul is going through is taking weeks, months, and maybe even years it's not like he had an affliction at 11.01 in the morning and by 11.02, it was gone. No, in it and through it, all along the way, even as he's having to wait and endure and be patient and pray, God is reminding him of his promises and bringing his people and shaping the circumstances of his life and Reminding him that he's at work in the midst of all of this. And so, in light of that, what you and I need is endurance. And I, I say that with biblical support back in chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly rooted, grounded, knowing that you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. It's effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering found this this week comfort me lord and pay my bills comfort me lord and cure my ills comfort me lord remove my fears comfort me lord and dry my tears comfort me lord increase my wealth comfort me lord preserve my wealth my health comfort me lord and plead my case comfort me lord and enlarge my place Comfort me, Lord, and tell me why. Comfort me, Lord, and set me on high. Comfort me, Lord, and do what I say. Comfort me, Lord, and do it today. The Spirit listened as I uttered my mind. He said not a word as I pleaded and pined. And then He spoke in the language of conviction, saying comfort isn't comfort in the absence of affliction. God were to take it all away, then we wouldn't know of His great mercies and comfort to us. It's in the midst of them where His promises are sweet and His people are a grace to us. 
and His providence steals us and His perspective encourages us. Well, God comforts us. He's the God of all comfort and it gives us the opportunity to be the Christian of some comfort. I say some because I don't want to say that we are like God and that we can provide all comfort to those of us who may be in need. But let's just note it very quickly. One of the reasons why God may put you and I through a hard time and comfort us in the midst of it and through it is so that we can then comfort our brothers and sisters. Because we're not the only ones, huh? Going through hard times. Verse 4, He comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Three ways you and I can do it real quick. At least three. Number one, I got three more P words. If you can believe that. As a seasoned preacher, P is the best letter. All right? You can get all kinds of words out of the letter P. A ministry of presence. Listen, when your friends, when your brothers and sisters in the Lord are going through a hard time, one of the incredible opportunities God gives to you and me is a really easy one. Presence. God comforted Paul by the coming of Titus. You can comfort others by your presence. Now, you can't do it for everybody. I certainly can't. None of us can but we can all do it for some. To just be there. Maybe even a call on the phone, but even personal presence can be even more. To sit and visit. To have a meal. I can remember going through a really hard time last year, and one of the neat things about a few buddies of mine um, they called me and they said, hey, we're taking you to lunch. And they took me to barbecue and had a great time and it just helps. Number two, prayers. Again, we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is recounting one of the ways in which God comforted him and even delivered him. In verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. And He will yet deliver us. You also joining and helping us through your prayers. So Paul apparently has in mind a particular instance that happened probably in Ephesus. And it may have been the riot of Acts chapter 19 where his life was on the line and God delivered him. And yet Paul knew that he 
that, that simply because he was delivered there didn't mean that he would never be in need of deliverance again. In fact, when he came into Macedonia and wrote this, he said there is conflict without, meaning great persecution. And he will deliver us, you also joining and helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. So as your brothers and sisters are going through a hard time and you have opportunity, be there. Go visit with them. Take them out to lunch. Whatever it might be. And pray for them. Here comes the rain, huh? And finally, provision. One of the incredible ways that many of you ministered to Tara and to me and to our girls when Tara was going through her cancer was the provision. Not just coming to see us, which was awesome, and not just praying for us, which was awesome, but meals, which was really awesome, and house cleaning. A couple of y'all came along and said, Tara can't be there. Mitch, we know you're a mess. We're going to pay for some house cleaning. Groceries. And more. And all, hopefully all of you have had this experience of a brother or sister coming along in your time of need and, and helping. Whatever it might be. Acts chapter 2. And those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Acts 4. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale, lay them at the apostles' feet. They would be distributed to each as any had need. Just real quickly, that is not some biblical idea of communism. Nobody is taking anybody's money to distribute it to anybody else. What those two texts say are that Christians who had so generously received God's mercy were generous with their stuff. And they said, hey, listen, guys, we got a little extra money. Here's some money. If you know of anybody in need, let them have it. Or they heard about a need and they said, hey, God's been plentiful to me. I'll go share with this person. You and I can minister to our brothers and sisters through our presence, through our prayers, through our provision. What a blessing. The God of all comfort, the Christian of some comfort. Let's praise Him as Paul does. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He praises God because He's this kind of God, a Father of mercy and a God of all comfort. And so let's rejoice in the way He meets us. And then let's have our eyes open. And our ears open to the needs around us. And I'll just close with this. Friend, if you are not in Christian community, like if you, if you come on Sunday, which please keep coming, but if that's it, if you come in and then... And the next Sunday you come in and then 
Next time you come in and then... But you don't have a place where you're connecting and experiencing friendship and love and community where you can share your burdens and hear the burdens of others. Friends, you got to do that. you got to do that. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters right now who maybe are going through hardship. Physical, spiritual, emotional, psychological, relational. Would you comfort them with your promises? Maybe with one of your people. Maybe by your providence that will just change the circumstances of their life. Maybe by a perspective that helps them to see your hand in the midst of it. God, might they know your great comfort. And Lord, would you help us all to be filled with love towards others to brothers and sisters in need. Help us to be there. Help us to be prayerful. And help when we can. Thank you, Father, for this rain. Reminds me now of the grace which overflows towards your people. My grace is sufficient for you. We bless you and we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.